All right, hello and welcome back to this already fun-filled edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. We are recording on September 10th, 2020, and boy, do we have a show today. And a show is probably the exactly apropos word. I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Anne Mazinga. Hey, guys. Emma, the intern. Hi, everyone. And our very special guest, the man I affectionately call Canadian Carl. Carl Boutte, how are you today? I am fabulous, Chris. Just coming out of the dentist. I mean, I asked him to double the dose, so I'm feeling really, really good right now. Was there Novocaine involved or no? Or did you get out of there scot-free? Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know what was involved, but it was all good. <laughs> He's good now. It's like that Seinfeld episode with uh, Brian Cranston. I was, I was rinsing and spitting like nobody's business. <laughs> Such a great episode. All right. Well, hey, we've, this is going to be fun. This has been a crazy week in retail. Gosh, even last week alone, uh, Emma, Ann, and I, we could not pick the f- five best topics for the day even, let alone the week, because there was just, just so, so much happening. So I think with that said, let's get to it. What do you guys think? Uh, yes, and as is evidenced by Chris's thrice-worn lumberjack flannel shirt, it is winter here in Minneapolis. Officially, yeah, it's like forty degrees outside. Yeah, I think we should start calling the show Omni Jack. Thank you, Ben Shine, for that because I think that's basically you know, like we said, I'm a lumberjack and that's okay. But you know what else is okay? Our sponsors. Not Let's only okay, do it. but our sponsors are awesome. And our sponsors are Fast Sensor. Fast Sensor is the first AI powered platform that provides solutions for social distancing, contact tracing, and operational optimization, all tailored to fit your business. With FastSensor, you have the tools necessary to monitor safety, efficiency, and journeys across your organization. Visit FastSensor.com to learn more. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. And Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, Visit takeoff.com. Imagine, as always, these topics uh, from our sponsors are going to permeate into our conversation as well, especially as we start talking about all kinds of things today. We've got drones, we've got more grocery, we've got Kohl's, JCPenney, Simon Properties, Instacart, and more. Holy cow. Let's start it off. Big story this week. Kohl's is planning a new partnership with Amazon. This is one of my favorite stories of all time. It was reported by, I believe, the Milwaukee Business Journal, if I'm not mistaken, or an outlet out of Milwaukee, that Kohl's will allow an Amazon grocery store, likely under its new banner that they debuted last week called Fresh, and the store will be in Laverne, California, which if you're a Laverne and Shirley fan and you know where that show was based, that is really just funny here on a Thursday morning. The store will be about a store in totals about 88,000 square feet. Kohl's is said to occupy 50,000 square feet of that box, which means the residual, give or take, 30 to 40,000 square feet will be left over for Amazon. All right, guys. Canadian Carl, I think since you're our guest, I think you have to go first. <laughs> so what is it with Kohl's and Amazon? I mean, is this like, is this their only option is let's keep take on, taking on everything Amazon can do so that eventually 
there basically is, it just becomes an Amazon. They just change the sign outside and, and Kohl's is no longer. I mean, quite honestly, it's, I thought the last move was really desperate. This one is, is at a whole other level. And, uh, I'll use, uh, uh you know, uh, a, a prof, uh, a prof Galloway analogy, like a virus to a host. I think it's a great, yeah, it's totally. a it's a great partnership if you're the virus. Right. Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is like Kohl's is the alien. I'm sorry. Amazon is the alien and Kohl's is John Hurt's belly. That's basically what you're <laughs> saying at the beginning of that movie. I think I tend to agree with you. Anne, what do you make of this? My favorite part of this story was the headline that says Kohl's will allow Amazon. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. What are you going to do? Save everybody Kohl's with your Kohl's <laughs> cash? I don't know that that's going to be the winning strategy here. But actually, you know, I think Carl has a point. I think that this, if anything, is more of a like a real estate play for Amazon to start to test in these areas, to test the demographics, test traffic to the store. And God knows what else Amazon is testing. That's, you know, three years ahead of us. But, you know, I think the fundamental thing here is if one-stop shop is the key, that's where we're headed, then this makes sense. I mean, Amazon fresh is already including products outside the grocery sphere in their stores. So if they're adjacent to a store where you can get some other things, yeah, why not? I mean, makes makes complete sense to me. Yeah, there's so much bad. I mean, when you stop and think about it, especially in the US, like there's so much like just non-differentiated grocery out there. I mean, I said on a call about an hour ago too, like, and I've said this before, you walk into a, you know, a Kroger, a Safeway, or an Albertsons across different parts of this country, other than the sign outside the door out front, you wouldn't know the difference between any single one of them. So this plays into the target. I think if I'm, if anybody's scared, like I'm target, like this is, if I'm target, I'm scared of this. Like this puts them in prime locations, the type of locations I'm traditionally in as a target. And I can play on this kind of like non-differentiated, non-cool, not super convenient, not always super convenient grocery experience with all the technological capabilities that, you know, Amazon has. But Carl, back to you, like, even though we made fun of like the John Hurt alien analogy, like does Kohl's have any other choice? Like, is this really like, what else are they going to do? Or is it, is it yeah, really a smart I, I, move? I mean, at this stage, they might as well give the pin to the bank card. I mean, you know, here you go, guys. You know, you, you can go, go, go in the bank account as well and just pull any money while you want out of it, out of there as well. Because, I mean, is there any other Like they're paying There's Amazon always... to use the space almost. Like that's kind of where we're it's getting just... here, right? Yeah, we'll pay you to come and 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 steal our business. I think is probably the next, even probably the next move. But uh, I mean, there's obviously some some strategy behind it. Somebody's convinced that this is this is still somehow a partnership of and and, and the, where it's a win-win. Uh, I, you know, I, I would love to think they're right, but so far the history books haven't shown us that's that's the way that Amazon rolls. I mean, Amazon's going to use say thank you for the learning experience, thank you for the free education, thank you for the paid environment and uh oh and by the way we don't need you so it's 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 just a question of time before these these steps occur and is it it's desperation i mean in my book anyways what the point you brought i think is really interesting is more again the the level set that it creates so you mentioned target i mean walmart's got to be thinking hard too about how they're going to uh you know differentiate because convenience I keep coming back. I think with this Amazon Fresh thing, and we'll we'll get more into it later. But it's 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 sort of what Uber did to the taxi industry, man. It's gonna it's gonna rock the world of anybody whose, you know, key purpose is is serving product to a person who, who in as quick a period of time as possible. It's gonna just it's just gonna change everything. And now, well, listen, Amazon's got a, a partner to help them do it that much more quickly and that much more cost effectively. Like they actually need the resources. 
Yeah, the other parts of this story too, I think that if true are really interesting is you have to remember like Kohl's also was rumored to have partnerships with Aldi, which are essentially in the same space, which they have said nothing about. And I've asked them and they will not give me an update on what the status is of those announcements, which were pretty, pretty ballyhooed for the previous two years. Uh, and then the other thing I think coinciding that coincides with that is just this week, Amazon opened another grocery store. So you had Woodland Hills, California last weekend, right? 30, 40,000 square foot, square feet. And then in, I think it's Redmond, they just opened another 10,000 square foot right. Amazon Go grocery store with rumors that they're now going to put Go technology into Whole Foods too. So like they are lining this up in a lot of ways. And you can see how Kohl's is just saying, yep, let me be the experimentation. Because what's in that, Emma, we talked about it last week, the thing that you loved, what's in that Amazon Fresh store? Returns unpackaged returns. Like, you know, you can do all you can and where they learn that they probably learned it at Kohl's. So this is going to be fascinating to watch. Plus we love Kohl's. They're our favorite. It's a better move than what Macy's is doing right now. I mean, you can give that to Kohl's. And what is Macy's doing right now? What is Macy's doing? We talked about it last week. This small <laughs> format. Is this trying to be a segue into story number two? It was. Only it's about JC Penny's and I well, screwed that one I up. Do, it's okay. <laughs> it's not no problem because I'm gonna I'm gonna tie this is what we do, Chris. This is why we work together. Right. To help Green bring expand. in because Macy's is associated with this next story because I'm if we were in Vegas this week, which we may have been if the pandemic was not around, I would be calling up the Bellagio and taking bets on when Macy's is next because there you go. Number two, Simon property and Brookfield are now set to buy JC Penney in an $800 million deal. It's finally happening guys. I could not be more excited uh, they are going to pay $300 million in cash and uh, assume $500 million in debt, according to CNBC reports. Uh, and this move averts liquidating the department store chain and will save an, a rumored 70,000 jobs and 650 stores. And as a result, JCPenney stock surges 76% late afternoon. Uh, just some notes for you guys as I was digging back into the history of this deal that we've talked about for practically the entire summer. There have been several bids for JCPenney's. Uh, this one, again, is $800 million. And earlier in the summer, they were, there were bids coming in that were all frighteningly too low, according to JCPenney. Sycamore Partners, Belk, uh, they offered $1.75 billion. You have Hudson's Bay, who came in at $1.7 billion. Simon and Brookfield, three months ago, offered $1.65 billion, and now they're getting it for $800 million. The low, low price, the $1 bidder. I'm taking bets on when they're going to buy Macy's. Who wants in? Are you? You think that's the next thing? You think they're going to go sure. for Macy's? Wow. JCPenney's was Park Place. Macy's is, bro- is Boardwalk. It's all going to just start to fall. Yeah, and who knows what the, the pricing the, the, and how they talk about all this stuff too. Carl. The, difference, the difference is Boardwalk and is, is actually a good investment in, in Monopoly. <laughs> so, you know, this... this uh, I was always very um, negative on these sort of... these. You know, the... Uh, Going back to the Sears uh, debacle, which I think these are just you know, follow that trend line and accelerate it. Hopefully, yeah. because goddamn, that's painful to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the slowest death scene in in in, in the history of retail uh, cinema. But they, uh, what somebody's been telling me, and, and it's a field I don't think we pay much attention to. There's people that are really good, like Eddie Lampert, at making money on the downside of these things. 
and we're we're all about innovation and, and people that you know improve and, and up the game and that's where you know i think the four of us interest you know really invest our time in so we don't really pay much attention to that dirtier side of the business but it's mm-hmm. probably one of the most lucrative so I, my only guess is brookfield has got some sort of play where they're like listen we're going to and what it really comes down to is cash flow management so they're just going to they're going to manage the cash flow out of this thing and just say you know, we we're going to lose that 500 million anyways, possibly. I don't know how many pr- properties JCPenney uh, assigned properties uh, or Brookfield properties Simon, um, JCPenney, right. sorry, would be in. So I don't know how much that debt is theirs, but to begin with. So I think they're just like, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to, ble- we're not going to milk the cow. We're going to bleed the cow and, 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 and then we'll, whatever's left of the bones will, you know, Eddie's given them the playbook now. So it's, that's where you're going to see yeah. Macy's is going to go, unfortunately, down the same path too. I think uh, you mentioned an earlier one too, which is our Canadian heritage story, which is another tragedy, HBC. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it's all the same playbook. It's sad to see. I mean, the best position you can be in is actually probably where, where Brookfield and HBC is. You have a lot, you have a real estate group that owns you and then that's, that's the most leverage you're going to get, you know, better that than have you have being owned by a private equity firm. Yeah, you're right. It's funny. I never thought about this analogy before until you, you, you both just started talking. But yeah, we're almost now in the phase of retail that's like that scene in Monty Python where like he's fighting the knight and the knight's like, I'm not dead yet. Like, you know, we're just, that's just, it's going to be like that for the next five to 10 years. We saw it with Sears and it's going to be that same way. Emma, what's your over under on when Macy's goes through this same thing? What do you think? Just, just I'm curious. Surprised. I'm, well, I'm surprised like that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I'm like, that should have already happened. So, and I kind of hope that it does happen. Really? Why? I just, I don't like it. As a consumer. Macy's. They don't, they're irrelevant to almost everybody. And there's so many other retailers doing things better. And so I just like, it pains me to see JCPenney's and Macy's in the mall. Like I was at the Mall of America yesterday and it hurt me to walk through Macy's. Yeah. It's just so irrelevant. I think that's still one of my favorite lines of recent memory too, where we were, some of the pundits were out there when the rumored Amazon was going to buy up some of these properties. We're saying, oh, this will kill traffic to the mall. And our favorite line was, you know what kills traffic to a mall? A Macy's and a JCPenney's. But anyway, we digress. Emma, on that note, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, introduce story number three? All right, so 7-Eleven is partnering with Instacart to offer delivery of milk, bread, eggs, alcohol, and other staples in as little as 30 minutes from 750 7-Eleven stores in a variety of different cities. Then they're planning to expand to more than 7,000 locations, and they're going to be doing delivery from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the moment, and they're planning to expand that as well. And so as we're seeing, if you want to get your grocery goods into people's homes, partnering with Instacart, I think, is definitely the best way to start that out. I am curious, though, with orders that are probably going to be really small, what the delivery fee is going to be. I didn't see that anywhere and I couldn't find it. And then I am kind of pessimistic about this because delivery in as little as 30 minutes, you can probably go to your convenience store and get back in less than 30 minutes. (laughs) But I do think they have potential if they can actually get this completely across the country. There might be potential there because GoPuff does pretty much the same thing, but they're not everywhere in the country. So. Yeah, and they do it did it a little bit differently too than what these guys do. And that last statement too was an indictment on your generation, said by you, not by me. Just for the record. So, <laughs> so Carl and what do you guys think? Who wants it first? Go ahead, uh, Carl. Yeah, well, I, I think Emma has the best story of the day. I think Instacart is the place to. If you want to understand where things are going, just watch Instacart's move. 
the big move, well, there's two big moves, I think, here. It's either the moment that they, they change the C for an M. Think, that, think about that for a second. Yep. The C for an M. What so DoorDash be, is doing they be, with Dashmark. They, they, they become, they, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you've always been the it's quickest quick. one. I'll give you, I'll give you that. Yep. Uh, and uh, so they become the front end, uh, not just the back end. And, and, and I think they own the relationship. And if you've done any business, uh, that that that's involved with delivery, you know that you that's where the sale is actually closed is in the delivery. It's not at the store, regardless of of the category you're in. It's who who's the person that brought me the product. That's that's who you remember it most. So, Instacart is 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 playing is you know playing a couple moves ahead of everybody. The next second big question is: Does somebody come and buy them before they go public? Because they're on fire right now, and and if they're going to, the opportunity is to sort of pull them in house as quickly as possible before they can't be done anymore. And, and just ride that growth. Cause we were saying before, like as much as these are tough times for many people, there's a couple that are thriving in, in, in this environment. And these are clearly the, you know, among the, 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 the winners of, of this, this pandemic. And it's, and these are, these are new habits that aren't going to change as much as Emma is questioning, uh, you know, the 30 minute, you know, it's quick, quick, quicker for me to go to the, to the convenience store for sure. But is it is it more you know the word keyword there's convenient. So am I am I am I okay waiting the thirty minutes for my my bag of chips and my six pack to show up because I don't want to I don't want to leave the football game. I, I'm pretty sure that's going to work. The other big question that's interesting when it comes to C store is is it's not the same margin structure. So you know the cost and all that. So that six pack and bag of chips from from Seven Eleven is going to cost me a lot more than if I had it come from maybe maybe another place, which would give, bundle it differently and give me a better deal. So it's fascinating. It's all just merging, right? And that's what yeah. this last mile is going to do. Is going to once more even uh, reduce the differentiation uh, to another you know, one more one more step than it already was. So to your point earlier, Chris, about you're walking in from three different grocery stores and can't tell the difference when it's yeah. the same person and when it when it's when it's Chris coming to deliver you all three things. Anyways, you're even that less differentiated. That's true. Yeah, and that's especially true in a lot of convenience instances too. I think, yeah, you know, the other element here too that I think is important, I'm curious what you guys think on this, but like, I think COVID's important here because I think that's, that is especially, Carl, you talk about this all the time, the acceleration. I think that's especially accelerating what Instacart's advantage is, is it's it's showing people want these capabilities probably faster than they did as consumers before. And a lot of the retailers just have no choice. Like if they're going to give them, like what other option do they have instead of, unless they partner with somebody like this, like Emma, like you said, to get in the game. And unfortunately, like it or not, C to the M conversation, like Instacart wins in that, like even in the long run. And these guys are just in that position with nothing they can do about it. Um, But I don't know. Tell me what I'm missing. Am I right or am I wrong there? And why don't you go first and then Carl? Well, I think the thing that we outlined here is that, when 7-Eleven was doing this, delivery for that bag of chips and a soda to the game is $7.99. And now with an Instacart subscription, which many people have, that's either free or they're paying a slight upcharge to get it delivered in that time domain of 30 minutes or, an, or less than an hour. But I think what we really have to watch here is that one, you're giving Instacart access to now 7,800 more stores. So they already have partnerships with Walmart and other, re- tar- or not Target anymore, but they already have partnerships with other retailers, Costco. And now they're adding the convenience store market. So they have all of this new data coming in about the types of things that people are ordering outside of just convenience items. They've even started to expand into, you know, some essentials, some baby category items. Like 
it's just changing what you get delivered. I think delivery of the the bag of chips and soda at $7.99 doesn't make a ton of sense. It's not providing you a ton of convenience. It makes more sense to go down to your store like Emma's talking about. But now once you start to bring in all these other categories and you start to, you know, have Instamart instead of Instacart, like there's, it's just, it raises their level of competition. Um, and what, convenience and grocery delivery ultimately is going to mean for us. Yep. Carl, last word. Yeah. I think you, the one word you say, Aaron, and it's, that's key to all this, then it is the true differentiator and, and is, is the data word. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they are going to own so much data. Uh, that's why this season going to turn into an M I'm just surprised that an organization the size of Seven Eleven doesn't see that. I mean, imagine if an organization of that scale is like, screw it. You know what? Bring the Trojan horse in and, you know, let's just hope they don't, you know, they don't, they don't surprise us in the middle of the night. Uh, you know, what, where does that leave the other players? So I, I could understand in, independent having to depi- depend on that. I don't understand why an organization of the size of Seven Eleven doesn't say, well, we're going to figure this shit out for ourselves. You know, right. let's, let's, let's get, uh, you know, let's get some or, or hire or, you know, do some, do something. I mean, right. it, it seems, honestly, it seems lazy. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point too, Carl. Like it, uh, and then we'll move on. But I think like it's it is kind of crazy that no one saw this coming. Like the whole Trojan horse idea, which I think I first saw from Britain Lad like a couple years ago. Like that that's a couple years old right now. Like this whole idea and like to see that no one no one saw this, I think is fascinating. And you know, Target acquired Shipped, which is you know in theory kind of a similar thing to what you're 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 talking about. But you know, Instacart's just kind of been running that way. You know, now you you took advice, brought up DoorDash too. It's fascinating that. Well, the no reality is to do this or try to acquire these companies more aggressively. The reality is it's hard. That's yeah. when I make my lazy company. It is. And really, it's expensive. Really, it's really hard. Hard means all that time, people, yep. money. Yep. And, and they're like, it's just not in our wheelhouse. So, yeah. and that's, that's the old legacy uh, body, right? uh, 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 reflexes. They're going to kill these companies in the end, mm-hmm. because it, when it's not in their wheelhouse, they just prefer it. They prefer that, they, to, to, you know, they're thinking about, they're seeing it as an IT challenge. They're not seeing it's like, ah, oh, listen, we don't run our own servers. You know, why yeah. would we run our own delivery? Like, it's just not what we do. Yeah. And, and now their backs are up against the wall and they have no yeah. choice. Yeah. And if you're going to compete against Amazon, like in the Walmart case, like you might not have a choice. If you're going to get delivery to people in, in two hours, what else are you going to do right now? Well, that's where the Walmart pilot with Instacart that was announced like three weeks ago, that's fascinating because you're like, what yeah. the hell are they doing with this? And is that where we start to see them? come into play and if anyone has the pockets maybe it's maybe it's walmart but all right let's in the interest of time let's keep going we've got two more stories this next one's pretty fun all right well the next story is from your favorite town chris san francisco they're getting a new mall from the owners did you leave your heart there i'm sorry uh (laughs) from the owners of ikea so uh Inca centers, and I, even though ha- I have Norwegian heritage uh, somewhere in there, cannot pronounce that correctly, I'm sure. Um, Inca centers is an IKEA unit that owns and operates 48 malls in Europe and Asia. They have acquired the 375,000 square foot building at 90- 945 Market Street in California, in San Francisco, not the old Gap building. Chris, just to confirm for not- you, it's the six by six building. It is like it literally almost right next door to the it Westfield is. Mall, though. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is very close. Um, IKEA, the store, will only occupy 70,000 
of the 375,000 square feet in this mall. And the rest of the space will be leased out to a mix of food, entertainment, and other retail tenants, as well as some office space. And the Inca Group is also looking at expanding this mall concept to New York, LA, and Chicago. How big was the IKEA, Anne? I'm sorry, what did you say? IKEA is going to occupy 70,000 square feet of the 375,000 square feet. Small for an IKEA. It is. Yes, small format. Emma, would you, uh, would you, would you like, would, does, how does, does this mall catch your fancy? I know you're a huge fan of malls. <laughs> well, no, but I'm a huge fan <laughs> of Ikea. So I think I would actually fly out to San Francisco just to visit this place. Cause I have so much like trust in Ikea that I believe that they might be able to actually make the mall experience cool. Okay. Carl, Canada is pretty close to Sweden. What's your take here? <laughs> Yeah, which is not Norway, Anne. So don't feel bad, even if you have. We found out that you know you're part Norwegian. I mean, that's right. Norwegian, Scandinavian. We're we're all kind of just a mix. (laughs) Danish. We all kind of all the Scandinavian countries just come together up here. Yeah, I just like to drink lots. That we know. Yes. Okay. Um, So first big thing I I learned in that story, which kind of blew my mind, is there was no IKEA in San Francisco before this. Uh, There's even one in Oakland. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a drive. So, I mean, what I love about Ikea and for different reasons, like Emma as well, like um, we've had Ikea, like Ikea Canada, Canada was always to your point, could be maybe being more a little Northern Nordic. We've been, we've been Ikea land for a long time here. And uh, I mean, what I love most about them is when, whenever there's zig, they zag. So when everybody was downsizing, they came in here in Montreal and doubled down. They said, oh, 300,000 square feet, too small. Fuck it, six hundred thousand square feet. Let's go. So they were doing like that was that's IKEA. I mean, they're like malls are shutting down. No, we're opening malls, and and why? Because they're opportunistic. They see they they see they they see clear opportunity. They're capitalized like crazy. They don't have they don't have a board to go to. It's a family owned company. Knowing Var passed and moved the IP into some special like structure. I mean, it's it's so it's super fast decision. I, I worked uh, for a few years with, uh, I was very close to the home furnishing industry here, you know, here in Canada. They didn't even want to talk about Ikea because they mm. didn't even know from one end to start to deal with mm, these guys. They much yeah. talk about the 12 other, you know, large home furnishing companies because there was a strategy they could see a way of, of competing. Ikea just, just hits it on every head. And you, want, you don't want to take them on in, in cost. You don't want to keep, take them on in, on logistics. You don't want to take them on on purpose because they're, they're environmental. They're doing all these crazy collaborations they, they know how to design a store i mean I, the only thing i the only thing i don't like about them is a saturday afternoon being dragged there by my wife that's, <laughs> that's, so that's it yeah. but that i think that's the beauty of what you're saying too because that's the the element i was going to add to what you say is that i love i love the zig they you know i think you said they zag where everybody else zigs or whatever it was vice versa but the like french canadian thing don't, don't worry. right yeah you know <laughs> hey <laughs> but like that's it that's what's really interesting to me here is like Ikea, as much as you hate that experience, is awesome at understanding, going back to Clayton Christensen theory, what is the job that has to be done? And they're saying at this time, you know, there was this big trend towards urbanization. Now maybe that's fallen off, but they're saying amidst this all, they're saying, you know what? In big urban centers, there are still jobs that need to be done. People have less time to do them. How do we create a new expression of ourselves? It's not even just us, but maybe there's an entire mall experience together in one spot that helps people to do that. And we keep winning in the long term. and how we do that in a smaller footprint in an urban location, I think is fascinating. It's your point, Carl, like kudos to them for having the guts 
to do that because I think people really still need that and want that. I mean, Emma, you just talked about it and you're shaking your head. Final. Yeah. Time. I think the, the, the key thing here is what else do they end up putting in the remaining 300,000 plus square feet? And if you start to think about high frequency trips and we talk about what the future of the mall looks like and grocery being a huge part of that frequency trip and to be able to do grocery shopping and get your, get in a fight with your spouse at Ikea in the same location. I mean, what a weekend. I don't know if we have enough time for all the fun that's in store that's for these San Franciscans. Right. Walmart is planning to test drone delivery of grocery and household items. So I am dying to hear what everyone thinks about this story. This is a fun one we left at the end. Walmart said on Wednesday that it plans to run a pilot project for delivery of grocery and household products through automated drones with an end-to-end delivery firm called Flytrex. Of course, it has to have a name like Flytrex. As the retailer looks to beef up, quote unquote, its delivery business. The test is going to start in Fayetteville, North Carolina, with what they are claiming are cloud-controlled drones picking up and dropping off items. Lots of thoughts here. Carl, why don't you start this one? I, uh, it's, it's hard to even know where to start. I mean, first, <laughs> the, my first reflex is like, how many years ago that uh, Jeff was on 60 Minutes and, and used this as a free PR stunt? I mean, it, was it seems 13? already sort of old to do yeah, it. Yeah, like, it was a long time ago. 13, was like five, six years ago, right? Yeah, I mean, it has least, to be around yeah. that long. So, I mean, if this is, I have a lot of risk. I think Walmart, I still consider Walmart the most innovative company probably in, in retail space just because of the being doing what they're doing at scale. So, these little sideshows, I'm not too sure what they're meant to accomplish. The reality is, regardless of the new FAA, sort of, okay, you can fly drones Amazon and we might start seeing it more in remote. It's just not, it's not a feasible operational structure. So I, I know we have, we have uh, friends like Gary on the line who are, who are specialists in, in this last mile stuff. I mean, it doesn't, it just doesn't make, just doesn't make sense. I, 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 we were talking before about the Amazon sidewalk. I think that makes a lot more sense because what that really is, what, the, what they're the playing out there is they're going by ground. I mean, he's flying, the word drone 10 years from now is going to mean something on wheels that's going to, that's going to move around the city. That's what a drone is going to be. It's not going to be this propeller thing flying, buzzing above our heads all the time, unless you live out in, in, the, in the middle of Minnesota somewhere where that just makes the most uh, cost-effective sense. But otherwise, I mean, this is just, uh, usually would be, I would expect it to be pure, a pure PR stunt, but it's a little late for that now. Yeah, it is. And the timing's odd. Emma, you taking drone deliveries? Like, what's your thought on that? Like, is that even of interest to you? Or is it a turnoff? Like, I don't know. Where, where are you at with that? At this point, I'd say it's a turnoff because like, if something dropped a box down for me, it would get stolen on the sidewalk because it can't get into my building. And then going back to that clip that Carl was talking about from 60 Minutes, we watched that when I was in economics in high school. And it was like, everyone's mind was boggled. And I'm just like looking back at it now, like that never happened. And it's been four or five years. It's, so. it's, it's always the same uh, sheep herder out in Australia that keeps, that's getting all the boxes by the sound. Of it. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, the people that are still in shepherding, right, as a profession, right? And what do you think? That's the greatest moment um, in the history of Omni Talks Fast Five. Nice job, Carl. Uh, uh, it's funny. I had the same comment of, of course, there's a company named Flytrex that's, uh, it's like the, the most generous drone company. Yes. Um, but I don't know. I'm going to have to say like the timing is too crazy on this one. It's just a classic story of Walmart having to put an announcement out that they're right there, step in line, like with Amazon 
right afterward. I'm not, I'm dismissing this as like, it's not a big deal. And I think we were talking yesterday, Chris, like I think cashierless tech and all these other things that uh, companies are doing, like that was the future. Now that that's coming up and yeah, the right. future is now. And so I think we need something else that kind of keeps us looking forward toward the future. And that's why this is, you know, popping up in the news again. But I generally dismiss the, the drone stories, which good or bad, I guess. I, I They're not anything of, of note to me. I'm going to focus on the things that Walmart is actually doing right now, to Carl's point, being innovative so that they can compete with Amazon. And that is not drone delivery. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. there's a couple, I think a couple things run through my mind here. I think you guys have hit on it, which is like, okay, really? Like, I get it. I also hate the catch-all of, hey, we're going to learn from the experimentation. Like, because by that, by that rationale, everything makes sense. And I get tired of it. And I get tired of seeing people, especially these executives at Walmart or whatever company on LinkedIn, using that as the rationale for why they're doing it. Because it, it, it works for everything. I get bored. Um, and then if you're going to do that, then have the guts. Let's, let's come and let's talk about it and let's get more in depth. And I think to Carl's point, and what you were saying too, like Walmart's been on a good streak. I don't feel like this is the story they need from a PR perspective. So I would have tried to keep this as quiet as possible. Or three, I don't even know, third point, I don't even know if I'd do it at all. Like, I think they're, I'm like Mr. Movie Quote today, but I feel like this is like the scene in Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he's like, you're digging in the wrong place. Like, okay, fine. You want to experiment with drones? I'm good with that. Why this? Like, you got COVID going on. Why don't you talk about using drones for like overnight evaluations of where products are in the store or what needs to happen there or your warehouse or things of that nature, things that could be very complementary to your operations that I think deserve exploration and discussion in the media first, before you start talking about, you know, but flying package deliveries, right? Like, cause Carl, like, like you said, like cars are going to probably do that too. And there's been a lot of work going in that direction. And the infrastructure is almost in a lot of ways better set up for that in our opinion. So, so yeah, so like I have those three just total issues with this thought about writing about it, Gary, I know you would have loved that. I know you're listening, but like, I just, I just didn't have the energy quite frankly, but it just, it just doesn't, it's not worth it. Falls flat to me. Yeah. What do you think, Carl? Last one. It's just not, I think we're, we've just spent more time talking about this than this test will probably actually run. Right. That's probably true, right? Like, yeah, the, the, the shepherd what, gets his products. And to what, gets his to what point is really Walmart pushing this? I mean, is it just a couple of pundits that have picked up on this and you were using this as fuel for whatever, or is Walmart really, you know, is, are they really pushing this narrative? I don't, I, I don't know. I, don't, I think it's maybe just, we're overemphasizing it probably. Yeah. Although I would say, cause I'm pretty piped into that. I would say they were, they're pushing this one. That, okay. I think that's the thing. I think they're definitely interested in getting this one out there. Um, and people have picked it up. So it is fascinating to me. And so that's where I still wonder, you got to be, whenever we talk innovation, you can't rest on your laurels and think just because you've had some success under your belt that you can suddenly start trying anything and everything that you want. It's still got to be grounded in good theory. So on that note, hey, that was awesome. Some of my best, I think, that, and what do you think? Some of the best laugh out loud moments we've ever yes. had. For sure. Thanks for being a part of this today, Carl. You certainly added some flair to the Fast Five. And I was holding back. I'm keeping the best stuff for the next time. <laughs> I was for the, oh, 
Oh, for the next resting on his laurels. All right, there we go. <laughs> no, no, but no, I, I didn't. I didn't use any French swear words. So I know. Nice. I was just gonna say we didn't. That was promised. Yeah, was, the English ones came out. I, you well. know what? I realized I, I got to keep a bit of me for me, and I, I can't just all put right. it all out there in the first the, the, on the first try. So. <laughs> Well, we'll, I'll keep a bit of surprise. But I, I, I can tell you, though, the one thing I can tell you about French swearing is that they're all religious terms, so you don't even know we're swearing. You think we're just actually being very religious. It sounds very beautiful. So it's... Uh, not really, no. Oh, <laughs> you're penitent. Now I'm even more intrigued. Uh, we'll have to have you back. In fact, it would be our pleasure to have you back. And so on that note, thanks to everyone for listening in or tuning in, especially if you're, you're here with us live. We'll take your questions if anyone has them in a moment. But for those listening, please remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you happen to listen to your podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to our videos weekly on YouTube as well. To all of us, from all of us, I should say, to all of you, be careful out there.